in Christ alone. Thank you, Allison and Walter. Your Bible's open this morning to uh, Revelation chapter 16. We are going to go to 17 and look at several other passages of Scripture. Primarily this morning, we're going to be looking at Mystery Babylon, part of the book of Revelation, as God's describing. Really, Mystery Babylon comes in two. There's, there's the religious Mystery Babylon, and then there's the materialistic mystery Babylon that's in chapter 18. And, uh, and if it's called mystery Babylon, you can answer this. Where did, if it's called mystery Babylon, where did, but it, where did it all begin? At Babel, right? And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Just interesting to me how consistent the Bible is about um, what we call... A, it's going to give us another chance to revisit what we call a biblical worldview. Uh, Revelation chapter 16. Now, we didn't finish chapter 16, and that's why I want to look at a couple of verses in chapter, in chapter 16. Um, I don't know if this is in the bulletin or not, but um, I am order, we, I'm out of Bibles just about on my book table, and we still have a few out there, but I'm fixing to order some. Don't you like that fixing? <laughs> well, I'm a redneck, I'm telling you. I'm fixing. I am going to order some more Bibles. Or I'm fixing to order some more Bibles. So if you're interested and you want a particular Bible, I'll be glad to do that, order that for you. And uh, so we do need some more on, on the book table. I'm also going to order some children's Bibles and devotionals to help our parents with our teaching their children. Folks, I want you to know there's a lot of opinions about where we are as a nation. And I'm not a wise man. I, I'm not. And there's a lot of people who claim to be wise that aren't wise. It doesn't really matter people's opinion, does it? It really doesn't. Everybody's got an opinion. What matters, and when you're listening to people talk about where we are as a world, okay, a lot of it is observation, and a lot of it's accurate. You know, a lot of our observations, it's not that it's wrong, they're accurate, we're observing it. But, but what matters to me, and we were talking about this yesterday because we had birthday parties and and I got to be around my kids, and uh, we were talking some politics, and you know, as if we're military specialists, and how we would fix things. But what matters is what the Bible says, you know. So, of course, being a preacher, and and uh, with it was Jonathan and Bo primarily, sometimes Griff, and so I would talk about, you know. So what I eventually you got to say. All these opinions are great, but what does God's word say? And uh, and folks, when you so when you talk about it, we need to know what the Bible says about the days that we're living in. And I'm going to try to help you see that a little bit uh, today, uh, because what we're talking about in the Book of Revelations, we're living in the New Babylon. You understand that? Babel, you know, we say Babel because it means confusion and uh, insanity. You know, breaking up the languages, people babble. So when you, when you heard another language, it was Babel to you. You couldn't understand what they were saying. So hence the word Babel. So we're living in a world full of Babel, just, just mindless chatter. But the Bible says that's how it's going to be in the last days. And to tell you, It'll shock you, even though it's not here in Revelation 16 and 17 and 18. It is part of God's wrath. It's the early stages of God's wrath being poured out when people become mindless morons and fools 
and deny God's existence and deny biblical truth and do crazy things and le- legislate perversion, you know, and those things are mindless, but the Bible says it's all part of God's plan. It's part of, and it's a sign that God's pouring His wrath out to some degree. It's what we say the early stages of God's wrath. It doesn't mean we're in the great tribulation. It doesn't mean we're in the tribulation. But it just reminds us that God has a plan and He is pouring out His wrath in some ways now. With your Bibles open to Revelation 16, I just want to pick up where we left off last week. And I'm going to do a lot of reading and hopefully you'll follow along with me and I'll make some comments. We are going to have to go to Genesis 10 and 11 in just a minute. So if you're while I'm reading, if you want to flip to Genesis 10 and 11, you're welcome to do that. We have to do that in order to read chapter 17, okay? Because we're going to talk about Babel. So we need to go meet Babel. We need to find out where the first tower of Babel and what happened and how this is called. This is the Bible. Jesus. This is the Revelation, uh, Revelation 1.1. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave His own Son to tell John. So this is Jesus telling us at the end of the book of Revelation that the world is going to be like the new Babylon. The mystery. He calls it, religiously, He calls it the prostitute. The great whore. New King James. The whore. The whore of Babylon. So the religious system in the end of days is going to be just perverted. And it's not just talking about sexual, but it's talking about deviant. Chain, you know, like a prostitute thwarts the purpose of marriage. It seduces, it, it readjusts what marriage... So that's what the... So we'll get to that in a minute. So, but in order to understand it, you have to go read the first Tower of Babel in Genesis 10 and 11 and find out you're going to meet the first Antichrist, which is Nimrod. He's the first world ruler. So he's, a, he's kind of the first... The Antichrist, the world ruler. We'll get to that in a minute. But here's some interesting things about the end of days that we, we kind of ended here in Revelation chapter 16. So I'm looking at, uh, and forgive me if I can't read uh, around verse 14, but I want to drop a, go up to maybe verse 13, chapter 16. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. It didn't say they were frogs. It says they were like frogs. Now, I don't know. And some of this doesn't make sense, but there's so much of it. Some of it's got to be true. But even in... in we know that... The, Unidentified flying objects or uh, unidentified, they call them now unidentified aerial phenomenon. That's what the government calls it. And, and when some of these people have encounters with these, these ships or, you know, disc or flying, whatever, UFOs, there's three, if you study this, you find that there's three manifestations of entities. There's what they call the alien greys, which are the little stubby people that that movie was made. Well, um, E.T. It's, they look like E.T. Supposing, it really, I mean, it's, there's thousands of these reports. It's, it's, some, of it's, some of it's unbelievable, but some of it's got to be true. I mean, talk about millions of people a year. Or they're, they're Nordic looking. They're tall, like six feet, blonde hair, and, and blue eyes. That's another entity. And the other one is reptilians. A a lizard frog-looking character. That's mean. 
And so if you study this, and this is part of what I learned when I went to that conference two years ago, but it's, but it's interesting when you come to the end of Revelation, it tells you that out of the mouth of these three, the false trinity comes some entities that look like frogs. They're reptilians. Right? Now, now from that, I can't tell you anything more than that, but they're going to come and deceive the nations. Okay, Look what it says. Because you've got to get all these nations to Babylon. I mean, you've got to get them to Israel to do a battle. Okay? So it says, <clears throat> unclean spirits, and, and it says, For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God the Almighty. This is God's day of judgment. It's called, we call it the battle of Armageddon. Megiddo, Armo, it's just, it's, there's a mountain, the valley of Megiddo is what the word means because there's an elevated place there. Uh, Alexander the Great is quoted as saying what a great, he said about the valley of Megiddo, what a great place to have a battle. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the area where uh, David uh, defeated uh, Goliath, it's in this same area. But anyway, um, so, so he's going to summons these, these nations to come. Be, and it said, <clears throat> for the great day of God Almighty. Um, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Now that's... Talking about spiritual, okay? And they assembled them at the place that is in Hebrew called Armageddon. This is just to show this. This isn't the only description of the Battle of Armageddon, but this is part of. So then it says, so so now you're going to assemble. So the now we're in verse 17. The seventh angel. So you've had the sixth. You have seven angels pouring out the bowls of wrath. We've had six. This is the seventh. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. Again, there's tons of debate about, of course, the, the Satan being the prince of the power of the air. I think about the airwaves, okay? And I know nothing about technology. Absolutely. Scott can tell you, Zach can tell you, Bill can tell you, anybody that's ever asked me anything about technology, I got one answer. I don't know. And, but I, I do know what I read, but I think in the air, you're wondering if it has something to do with worldwide community. I don't know. But because the Satan is the prince of the power of the air, uh, it is interesting that this last bold judgment, he pours it out uh, into the air. Now again, I don't know. Does that mean uh, all the planes that are in the air at that moment, he does that, all of them are going to fall to the ground. I don't know. I don't know what that means. But, but I, it's a judgment. And it says, And a loud voice came out of the temple uh, from the throne saying, It is done. And if you remember, the, the saints that have been slain have been praying for God's judgment. Twice it mentions that in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation 5, H1, one of them, the bowls that contain the prayers of the saints which uh, you can read that for yourself, but um, it's just not talking about tribulation saints. It seems to be referring to all the saints. 
So you have to, we have to ask ourselves, uh, is there, and I mentioned this seven, six months ago when we went through the passage, is there a, some kind of heavenly receptacle in which, in God's kingdom, where our prayers are stored? Because it's plural. There's bowls. And it's implying that every saint has a bowl that contains or retains his prayers. And that would go in line with what the Spirit does interceding for us and Jesus interceding. That, that might be true. That all the prayers of the saints are... God remember, remembers those. And he, he stores them. Interesting, you know, to me. Um, so, so out of the temple, it says, and, and from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake. Look at this one. Such, and there we've already had a couple of great earthquakes already. Such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake, the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations, interesting, uh, I love the way that reads in the original language, but the cities of the nations fell. So I know recently there was an earthquake, where was that earthquake? In Haiti, again, Haiti had another earthquake. And... Um, and but every city's plural, the great cities, uh, the Bible calls them metropolises. Uh, these big cities, they're going to crumble, they're going to fall. Can you imagine? And God remembered Babylon the great. So in all this destruction, the one that God is really paying attention to is Babylon the great. Now, I'm not going to get into it, just to let you know, there is massive debate. Are we talking about a system of belief? Are we talking about, a, is Babylon going to be rebuilt, as in, as in the Middle East? Of course, now it's more possible than it's ever been the last week or two because of what's been going on from our standpoint, what's happened. And, but if it's going to become the ruling city of the world, They've got to get to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's not much there now. Uh, you can study history, and, and it, it had a lot of things in the 90s, but we, we leveled it in the 90s, and so it hasn't been... Re but just So when you're thinking, is, it ba is, there, or there's, is there another city that's the city of the world that kind of is an example of what the world believes and is the city that's now the new Babylon that God... It's going to pick to judge. It's because it's an example of all of what man believes. That maybe it's an example of, of a city that has really corrupted the whole world. Do you know what some scholars believe it is? New York City. No kidding. No kidding. And others believe. You know, there's tons of beliefs. You can read that on your own. I'm not going to pick a, pick a fight on that. But it, it is interesting. So if you have a commentary, you, or even a study Bible will help you. MacArthur Study Bible talks about this. So you can read about this. It is interesting. It is, 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 so is Babel going to be rebuilt? Uh, the city of Babel? Babylon? Um, anyway, so we read on. So, but but this, this is this, it says, so this Babel says, 
So all the nation, all the cities were, you know, were, were destroyed. And every island fled away, and no mountains were and no mountains were to be found. So your islands fled away. So I didn't really read the text here like I should have. I'm not sure if that means submerse or it's pushed. I didn't read that well. But they're adjusted. And it says, and no mountains were found. So, the, and this is not unusual because uh, we know that at the flood, when you study, by the way, it's one reason we're going, you know, we're going up there in, in, January, uh, in December. Folks, if you've never been up there, taking at least one trip to the Ark and the Christian Museum, it's foundational for what we believe. We're going to read some of that today because we're still in Genesis 10 and 11. Genesis 1 through 11 are the foundation of everything we believe, okay? And Answers in Genesis defends that. I love that. I appreciate what they do. And there's no parachurch ministry. The Gideons, I love, because that's all they use their money for is to buy a Bible. And, and they don't have a bunch of bureaucrats. And uh, Answers in Genesis. Uh, I love what they do, and I support them. But it's foundational what, what they teach, and I, love, I would love for you to go when we go. Anyway, let's back to the text. I'm sorry. There's so much I want to cover. Um, so every island fled away. So what I'm saying is, in, in the flood, most people agree that because you know, the fountains of the deep sprang forth, and in order for the fountains of the deep to spring forth, the earth's got to crack open. So the topography of the earth changed. And we know it did because it even, the, the rain, you know, it never rained. So it was like a tropical paradise. And, and so the, 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 the atmosphere changed and the topography changed. So after the flood was far different than before the flood. Can you believe it had never rained? And then all of a sudden, now, plus it hasn't rained, plus you're out in the middle of a desert area, Right? Where, where the ark was built was kind of like where the ark up in Kentucky is out in the middle of nowhere. There's water fairly close by, but, you know, not to float an ark in. So, but never rain. Can you imagine standing out there and all of a sudden a drop of water from the heavens pops you on the top of the head? Then it's more than a drop. Then it's more than drops. And then where are you going to go? You've never had to run and get out of the rain. It's incredible. So, and God's in control of all that. See, I believe that. I believe in what the Bible says about that. And one day He's going to rain down fire. And, and uh, So anyway, so the mountains were fled and, and great... Look, here it is, verse 21. And great hailstones... And I love the ESV gives you the weight. 130 pounds. About. This is hailstones coming out of the sky. I mean, go outside and drop a rock off the top of our church and let it land on your car and see what it does. Not my car, your car. Ben, can you, a 130 pound stone? So, great hailstones, hailstones tell us they're, they're not just a piece of stone, they're on fire. And they, and Lucas says, and so, and so great hailstones, about 130 pounds, fell from heaven on people. And, and they cursed God. This is the second time 
that in a, they respond to God's judgments. This is the bold judgments. They did it in the trumpet judgment. So they know where it's coming from. It says, and they curse God for the plague of the hell because the plague was so severe. So that ends the description of that seventh bowl judgment. And those seven bowls, I call them censers, vials. It's another translation means they're shallow, wide and shallow. And they're poured out, it goes quick. So they describe these as just, you know, these seven may come in the course of a month. They could come in the course of three days, or it could be six months, but they're quicker than the others. But so before we read chapter so in seventeen, let's just look at seventeen one. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. Now we're going to find out she's the whore of Babylon. And so this, this great prostitute in many waters is talking about ethnicities, people groups, okay? So this, this and it's religion, okay? Because if, if a one world rule, now think about this. If a, one, if a one world ruler, the Antichrist, is going to control the world, religion will have to be involved, right? You know that. And religion is going to be involved. There's going to be a false religion that's going to flourish because there's a false prophet and there's a false religious system that's going to enhance. Now, before we read about the t- Babel and, and the whore of Babylon, let's go back and read about Babel quickly. Go to Genesis 10. Genesis chapter 10. And hold your finger here at Revelation 17. I'm told you we're reading a lot today, but this is just absolutely foundational. First, I say Genesis 10 because this is the table of nations. Now, you may have never studied the book of Genesis, but Genesis chapter... And we did this seven years ago. We went through verse by verse. And we've had answers in Genesis here, but it's been a long time. Genesis 10 is essential for understanding a biblical worldview because it names 70 people groups, or what we end up knowing as 70 nations. It's called the table of nations. In chapter 10. So there's 70 different people groups or nations listed here that start the individuals that start nations. So this is where origin. So when you're thinking about mankind in the early stages of mankind, there were 70 different nations or people groups. Now you you get a little confused because we hadn't got to the Tower of Babel where that's the next chapter where God's, you know confuses the languages. So chronologically, it's kind of odd that you read this in chapter 10. But it reminds you that, see, we weren't man wasn't a bunch of cavemen walking around dragging their wives by their hair with a club in their hand. They were wise and smart, probably smarter than we are intellectually. And, and intelligence was high. So they start, you know, so they spread and they, they build these cities. Anyway, so that, that's important. But what's, what's implied for us, important for us today is to look at verse, uh, and you're saying, why don't you get your big print Bible? Because I wrote notes in this one. And I, I didn't want to give up my notes today. So um, I'm looking, I think, at verse 6. It says, the sons of Ham... And he, now he's naming the sons of hell because I want to tell you where Nimrod comes from. Okay, that's what we're reading. Find out about Nimrod. So the sons of Ham were Cush, Egypt, Put, 
in Canaan. You remember about Canaan? Remember what happened to Canaan back in chapter 9? When his daddy saw his... his when, when Ham saw Noah's nakedness and something was wrong about what happened and Noah woke up and realized that Ham had done something wrong. I don't know whether he mocked him, whether he made fun of him. You know, Noah got drunk, ended up naked in his tent. And uh, so he cursed Canaan, his grandson. He seemed to be the oldest of... So, any, so that's where that comes from. Just interesting when you're reading that. The sons of Cush, okay? Seba, Havilah, Sabta. By the way, I listened to these names today to get them right. Uh, I can't remember this pronouncement. And it says, and uh, Sabtica, I think the last one. The son, and then it says the sons of Ramah, uh, Sheba, and Dedan. And then it says Cush. Now remember, Cush is the son of Ham. Cush fathered Nimrod. Now look at your Bibles very closely now, okay? Cush fathered Nimrod. Now also, in, if you're reading secular books, Nimrod is also called Gilgamesh. So uh, in, in this part of the world, which is the, the cradle of civilization, there is a mighty man who rules this area but in, in secular literature, his name is Gilgamesh. Well, Gilgamesh is Nimrod. Okay, just remember that. So, but we don't have time to talk about all that, but, but we did meet Nimrod. But look what it says about him. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. Now, when you say a mighty man, it's the Hebrew word gibberim. It doesn't matter what the... What the Word means, but you, so there's something about Nimrod that had never happened to anybody else post flood, okay? Post flood. Because before the flood, there were Nephilim, right? And they were also called Gibberim. They were also mighty. That was another description of a Nephilim giant, was he was strong and mighty. Now, I'm not saying that Nimrod became a giant, I'm not saying that. But there are scholars that believe that he somehow conjured up the demonic powers and wills of that. That's a whole other story. But he is a mighty man. Nobody else is like him. And, and look what it says. It says, and he, was a mighty, he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, you can go study this for yourself. It's not meaning that the Lord was impressed with his hunting. That's not it. He was a vicious man-killer. And he, when it says before the Lord, it's, it's like he was in defiance of the Lord. Does that make sense? That's, when you read it in Hebrew and all these scholars, that's what they talk about. Because the name uh, Nimrod literally means let us rebel. Okay, So it's interesting that that you would have a father name his son, we were a bell. And so, so this, and so, he, and it says, he was a mighty, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, 
the beginning of his kingdom was, and you can read it for yourself, all the places that he ruled. All this is right in the Middle East, okay? It's right around the Tigris and Euphrates, you know. Um, he ruled the, just about the whole area. The first one it mentions is Babel. Correct? You see that? Okay. You know, Assyria. He goes into Assyria. He, has, he rules Nineveh. He builds Nineveh. Now, go to chapter uh, 11. I'll read verses 1 through 9. This is the Tower of Babel. So Nimrod has led the people. If you read Genesis, this is, you should go to chapter 11. I'm going to read one other verse. Genesis 9, 1 says, And God blessed Noah. This is them getting off the boat. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The exact same uh, commission that he gave Adam and Eve. Okay, exact. So they got off the ark, Noah and his three sons. Noah, hey, tells his three sons, You've got to produce, produce, be fruitful and multiply. And replenish the earth. Okay, now, so that's what's wrong here. It says, Now the whole earth, you with me? The whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. Again, that's the, what they call the cradle of civilization. So all the people are in Shinar, okay? Middle East, okay? And they said to one another, Come now, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Uh, then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Now they're not trying to build. A building that goes, you know, 12,000 feet. In the, that's not, they're building one as, a, it's a temple. They're trying to build a portal where they can contact the gods. Because even in the, before this, God would speak to people on mountains. And you'll find that all through the Old Testament, even when God dealt with the Israelites, He communicated with them on high places. And then the pagans got a hold of it. And then a lot of pagan worship was on high places. It's still true today in the Middle East. So, so, they're, so they're building this tower because they're, they're trying to open a portal, a place of worship to contact not our God, not the God of Israel that we know as the God of Israel, but the gods, the little G's. And what gods would they have heard about? Well, why did God flood the earth? What what caused that? The Nephilim, right? And then it says every thought and intent of man was evil continually because of the influence of the Nephilim. You know, that's what it says. So it was just a couple hundred years ago. Well, really, it's less than that. Just a few years ago, they remembered the history of these Nephilim. They're told about the Nephilim. So they know that there's these little G's that have existed. So I think they're trying to build this. You know, there's tons of, of opinions about that. But just know that... They're not thinking they can build something, you know, 12,000 feet in the air to where, the, you know. We move on. Come, let us build ourselves a city, ourselves a city and a tower that is in top that goes to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. 
And uh, of course, and who's leading? We already know who's the leader of Babel. Who is it? It's Nimrod. Okay, so he's the first one world ruler. And the Lord came down. I love the way that talks. You know, they, they're trying to build something. I don't care how high they go or what they think they're doing. God has to descend because God's above. Okay, I love that. So then it says, so God came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and, and nothing that they uh, pro- propose to do will be impossible for them, because they're united. Come, let us go down, let us go down, and come down, I'm sorry, and let us go down and there confuse their languages so that they may not understand one, one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, or Babel, because there the Lord confused the language. Now, so that's the first Babel. Now, Revelation. Revelation chapter 17 again. What time is it? Got five minutes. Okay. Sorry, I forgot my clock, watch, whatever. She told me I only have 30 minutes, so that's good. It's just interesting. I know we just read a few verses and we'll close, but I was looking, I'm ordering some books along with some Bibles this week, and uh, there was a book, I'm not going to order it, but I, the, the name of it caught my eye, and I thought, well, what a great name. And the name of the book is called, and this is, applies to everybody in here, because we all at least text or email. The name of the book is Before You Hit Send. You know, I, like when I do my articles and stuff, and we send them out, because I'm writing several paragraphs, and I don't want to sound like I'm a moron, so I'll have Diane read it. and and Or even if I'm texting you, and I text a lot of you, I want to make sure it makes sense or I didn't misspell words real badly. You know, usually it corrects it. You know what I'm saying. So you do all these things before, before you hit sin. Well, for us as believers, we're getting, we're getting to see before it ever happens what God's going to do in judgment on this world. It's incredible the knowledge that God allows us to have. And really, this it's not that I'm, I, I glory in God's judgment, but I know what the conclusion of all this is. No wonder we're in a mess. This is just the way it is. These people that we disagree with are more, they're lost. I mean, it's just they don't think like us. They don't have a biblical worldview. They think we came from monkeys and pond scum they don't value human life they you know you think about the our government I, I i think about this and here's if you're arguing about they're talking to people and they disagree with what the two things the bible says government should do is protect the innocent and punish evil you can read that in romans that's the two main jobs of government and our government has let our people down they not protect them so you you do have a biblical cry there. It bothers you. should bother you as a believer. So punish and protect. There's two Ps, okay? 
There's some other things Romans says, but that's two big ones. So anyway, so the seven angels says, so this great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with, and with the wine of those... I'm, I'm sorry. With, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. See, talking about a huge sexual deviancy. And with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. Now that is an interesting statement. Now the whore of Babylon does more than promotes sexual immorality. But it does say here a sexual immorality. Now, because I'm out of time, okay, we're going to stop right here. And let me just read you one passage. Go to Romans 1, okay? Because you have to think, why is that important? Why is God giving us a reminder of not only is there going to be religious deception, we know that, this Babylon, Babel, but part of this, the corruption of Babel. Okay, so what I'm saying is, so go all the way back to Babel. Okay, before I read Romans one. Okay, go all the way back and think. So we read about Babel. Okay, Nimrod led the people to rebel. We will rebel was Nimrod's name, what it stood for. The people rebelled, and so God came down. Now remember what happens after this. He spreads out. He confuses everybody's language. But he doesn't have a relationship with all these nations. You can read the next chapter and he goes and he calls a man named Abram, right? And he says, hey, I'm going to marry you. You're going to be my people. So he disengages from the whole world. So for all these thousands of years, you've had these nations going their own way. Now, now in the new covenant, we can preach the gospel. They can hear the gospel. The word of God and the spirit of God can convict them and bring them to salvation. But they've been wondering, and that's what the Bible says, they've wandered in darkness until now. Until now Christ has come and the light now shines. So that's why we share Him. You know? But that, the, world's, the world's in darkness. Everybody around us is unsaved. They're in darkness. And it all goes back to, where did all of it start? It started at Babel. So all these false beliefs are because of, you know, it's because the, they, they believe a false god or false idols. It just It's ignorance. But that's where the world is steeped in darkness. But, but Romans 1 tells us that... Look, look what it says in Romans. I'll find it. It's in the Bible. Romans. Look at Romans 1. I have to start around verse 16 because I love that verse. And we have, post, we have these banners in our building that have this on it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God. Think about what Paul's saying here. How in the world are all these people in all these places going to get saved? Is God going to perform some miracles in the heavens to prove He exists? No. How, how are you saved? How, what did you hear to get saved? Hear the gospel. God's power is in the gospel. Anybody, anywhere can be saved because they hear the gospel. That's God's only means of salvation. Aren't you glad though, anywhere, anytime, somebody can share the gospel? They can be over the airwaves, person to person. 
You know, it's incredible. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. How, how did God reveal His righteousness in the gospel? He took His own Son's life so He can forgive you. So that's a pretty righteous God if He'll sacrifice His Son. And we just read about that in Romans 8. If He, did, if he didn't spare His own Son, and He didn't, will He not give you everything else He's promised? And, he's, and Paul's arguing from the greater to the lesser. Is there anything greater than giving up the second person of the Trinity to die on a cross as a human to save sinners? There's nothing greater. So everything else he gives us is less than that. That's what's Paul's argument. So it's the gospel of Christ and it proves how that God's a God of righteousness. It says, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's important because what he says next is unrighteousness. What happens in a world that's un that's unloosed from God's convictions. Let's read it. And, and again, this goes back to the Tower of Babel, to, to the city, uh, to the whore of Babylon, and this false belief and this immorality, and that's just part of it. There's spiritual immorality too, but, but the, the sexual deviancy of the last days. For, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. And I hate, I mean, this is because I'm saved and born again and seated in heaven. I'm not saying this out of meanness, but nations today that may be third world nations and, and they're, you know, they're worshiping the sun's reflection in a body of water or they're worshiping a cow or a totem pole, they have no excuse because their belief goes all the way back to an event called the Tower of Babel. Their belief was seeded by unbelief at the Tower of Babel. And all those people spread across the world with their belief and it's mushroomed for 3,500 years. But God's Nature and His righteousness is evident by what's been made. This is why in the book of Revelation it keeps mentioning God's creation. We, I know I'm out of time. So let me read and I'll finish. So, so His invisible attributes, namely <clears throat> His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay, Does that sound like our world right now? Anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Australia. Anywhere. Read about it. You know, 
anywhere. It's just foolishness and darkness. Move on. Then he says, claiming to be wise. Boy, is that not true of our society? Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Folks, the only thing that matters is Christ, Him crucified. That's why Paul, Paul was a smart man. He says to Corinthians, I claim to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Are you besotted with Christ? Is He the, is he the one you're glad you know? And you want to know more about Him? Now think about how much time you spend knowing other things and not knowing Christ. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Now look why they become foolish. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy. They began to worship creatures, okay? Trees, animals. They worship. Can't kill an eagle, but we can abort a baby. The antithesis of that you, that strikes us. We realize how moronic that is. You'll execute murderers, or want to, put them on death row, but you murder by legal. And so for us that know the Bible, it doesn't make sense. Look what it says. Therefore, God gave them up. We have to finish it, and, and I promise you. So God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. So so they have impure hearts, okay? They're sexual deviants, okay? Into the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth of God, a truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So they become sexual uh, deviants. The world becomes sexually deviant. Uh, I think about the sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s. And, and, and so, it, you know, yeah, we move on. Verse 26, I think it says, and For this reason, God gave them up to, to... Now, so first it's a sexual revolution, okay? Then it says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged the natural... Uh, relations for those that are contrary to nature. So even nature, you know what I'm talking about. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Means there's a maybe there's a a plague or an illness or a sickness that comes with this deviancy. Not sure if that's but could be. So there's de- sexual deviancy, there's homosexual deviancy. Okay. And then it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. Now this is the third phrase, God gave them up. This is the final one, the third stage of of giving them up, three stages. You can read it. God gave them up to a debased mind. Now, we'll stop here, but it helps us understand. The word debased means, we would almost say you're moronic when you say, by the way, moronic is a Bible word. It's in the Bible. It means fool. 
uh, it means reversed. It means that it's, you would translate it, the right becomes wrong and the wrong becomes right. A debased mind is a perverted mind, a mind that's turned on itself. So the very things that at one time was obviously right now become wrong. And the things that at one time were obviously wrong become right as a debased mind. Now why is it here? Because it's God's wrath. So are we under God's wrath? Well, we are to some degree, right? But this is nothing compared to when He starts pouring it out when the church is gone. So this kind of sets the scene can you imagine the sexual deviancy that's going to be legalized during the seven years of tribulation? So now we're set to read a little bit more about 17 and 18. We'll read that next week. Let's stand together for prayer. God's Word is awesome, is it not? It is fantastic. You think of other verses. I could keep preaching. You think about 1 Timothy 4, where Paul tells Timothy in the last days, people would depart from the truth giving over to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. That's part of the curse. And, and let's pray. Thank you for being here. Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for salvation. And God, we've been warned. And God, we know the end of the story. And uh, God, we pray that the, for this very reason we'll be evangelists, that we'll love the gospel more. That we'll know that your power to save is in the gospel. It's not in our wisdom. It's not in our works. It's in us living and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your sacred word. We are reading words about the future that will happen. Thank you for that promise. Father, thank you that, that the church has not been appointed under wrath and and when the wrath of God is actually poured out on this earth, it's not for us. It's for those that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, bless the church now. As now we've gathered and now we're going to scatter. So bless us as we go out into the world as a salt of the earth and the light of the world. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.